Good morning, Vineyard. Good morning. What about the people in the car? Can you hear me in the car? There we go. So, yeah, signal this morning with your car horn, not your vocals, because I can't hear you. But it is beautiful, so if you want to sit outside the car. We're so glad you're here today. We're so glad that God provided such an amazing morning to bask under the sun and to worship with the sun this morning. So let's pray and we'll get started. Just say, come Holy Spirit. We just thank you that you're a God that hears our prayers. You're a God that just keeps us connected and united. You're a God that in the tough times walks with us. And in the good times, you keep us on the on the straight and the narrow. Lord, today we remember those who have just given an amazing sacrifice for the freedom in which we have today to park our cars in a, in a semicircle and to worship you in freedom and truth. We thank you for those who have given the ultimate sacrifice and we ask that you be with the families still of, I don't, I don't know how easy it gets but we don't forget. Well, we just thank you for those who have given those ultimate sacrifices in serving our country, in serving our cities, in serving just us. We thank you for that. So we thank you for the sunshine. We thank you that we can just uh, be with you and have you just wash over our service this morning. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to get started. We worship in many ways. We'll worship with music as we start. Then uh, Pastor Brent will bring the word. And then as we, uh, we're here and we're gathered, we can fellowship at the end. Um, we just thank, thank you for coming and we are just, um, we're happy that you're with us. Be 
Is your mic? Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Vineyard Community Church, our first outdoor service of the year. Woo! <laughs> so thank you for joining us this Memorial Day weekend. Um, it's also Pentecost Sunday. We are so glad that you're here in the parking lot and all of you at home. Now we'll take a moment to remember the original Pentecost, which was the coming of the Holy Spirit to the church. So at this time, in your car or outside, would everyone who has a cell phone turn it on and hold it upwards? You can even turn the flash on the flashlight feature if you like. <clears throat> Excuse me, if you like. We'll imagine it's the fire coming from heaven as we listen to God's words. First, a reading from Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Later in Acts 2, we read, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Thank you. So, the rest of our messages for today, uh, Pastor Brent, <clears throat> his message is Weapons of Warfare, the Word is found in Luke 4, 1 through 14. Grab your Bible or cell to look up today's text or follow along on the other side of your song sheet. Following our service today, only on Tuesday and Wednesday from 12 to 6 p.m. The sale is Friday and Saturday from 10 to 2 p.m. Sign up in the lobby if you could help us with this fundraiser. If you can stay a couple minutes following this service to help stack the sanctuary chairs for our church from its rummage sale, that would be appreciated. If you would like to know more about spiritual warfare, you are invited to attend the Ministering Deliverance Workshop on Saturday, June 10th, from 12.30 to 2.30 p.m. here at church. In this workshop, we will give a biblical foundation for dealing with demons and demonic activity. There will be time to ask questions as well as prayer time. If you plan to attend, please sign up in the lobby or see Jackie Brown. Jackie, can you just sign? He's over here in this nice new collar. Well, 
See you next week back in the sanctuary. Our next outdoor service will be on Sunday, July 2nd of the 4th of July weekend. Remember to drop off your offerings in the offering box located along the driveway as you exit. You may also mail your offering to the church or donate on our church website or Facebook page. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to be here. It's been a few weeks. I, we just It just happened that a few weeks in a row we had um, wonderfully wonderful other people preaching, and so it's been a few weeks since I've um, been here. So not here, but in the pulpit. It's not really in a pulpit, on a, a stage. I'm kind of outside, right? So get to the point. All right, here we go. Um, so first things first, um, tomorrow's a really special day, too. You know what tomorrow is? It's Teresa's birthday. Yay, Teresa. She's hiding out there. She is. Happy birthday to you, my dear. Happy birthday, Teresa. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Teresa. Happy birthday to you. Yes, you. I was thinking about doing it like lounge lizard style. You guys, some of you don't know what that is, but anyway. Um, so, uh, again, good to see all of you this morning. Uh, we have some special friends, uh, Wayne and Trish Drummond. Wayne and Trish used to be members of our community. They still are, really. still members of our community, but they're standing in the back. Their son was just accepted by the Detroit Lions. Hey, I don't know what he's um, to do play some position. I'm not sure. What position does he play? A wide receiver. Oh, cool. I would do that if I could run and catch the ball. That would be good. Um, all right. So it's, it is good to be here. Uh, we're we're going to be continuing a series we started actually on spiritual warfare. And today, actually, this sounds sort of not like spiritual warfare, but in some ways, it's probably the most significant battle that's ever happened in history. It's the it's the passage about Jesus and his temptation as he begins his ministry. And we don't think about that as warfare, but that's really um, what can derail us quicker than anything else, and that's temptation. Well, actually, succumbing to temptation. Temptation doesn't derail us. Succumbing to it does. And so Jesus gets in this battle, for literally for all of humanity, with Satan, and it's a battle of, of temptation. It's a battle, in some ways, of words, ideas. And it's a battle of who, who Jesus will choose. Who will Jesus trust? Will he trust his Father? Will he trust God? Or will he put his trust in himself? Or even worse, will he trust <gasps> Satan? And so there's this powerful thing going on here sometimes that we don't see. And, and in a very real sense, that's a a battle that all of us are fighting all the time. Right off, like... There's a, there's a principality, there's a being of uh, malevolent evil that exists in the universe. I mean, Christians in general believe that he was an angel who cho chose to disobey God and to, to 
um, not acknowledge the existence of a personified being of evil really is like some, somebody said, it's, it's, it's not being very open-minded in a very real sense. In fact, FDR, the president who was president during World War II, one of the reasons that he, that he didn't get involved in the war earlier is that he couldn't and didn't believe the, the reports that, that Hitler was literally rounding up and, and slaughtering, mass slaughtering Jews. He didn't believe the Holocaust because he didn't believe that human beings could be that evil because he didn't believe that there was a malevolent being that could influence people to do something so terrible. And most of the people in our community that come from African-American, you know, that are African-American, understand some of that malevolent evil. Um, your, you or your forefathers or the, their forefathers, whatever, experience that firsthand. We see the malevolence and the evil that human beings can do when kind of guided and prodded by evil. And so, and besides that, Jesus obviously believes that there's a devil because he has this interaction with him in the desert. This, the desert that Jesus has this interaction in is, is called the, the desolation. It's this place that's so desolate and barren that barely any life could exist there. And we're going to get reading that in a minute. But before that, I need to make fun. I think it's of Danelle. Maybe Danelle, Danelle's here this morning. Um, but I think you were with uh, Tom Wadsworth, and I think Danelle and some of our youth went to New York once to do a youth. Did you go on that youth outreach? To, oh, you, oh, you're denying it. Okay, he's in denial. <laughs> Lying is one of the real early temptations. You know, so. But anyway, so... Our youth went to this, they went to New York, and they went to go do a youth, youth kind of outreach in the inner city of New York, and Tom Wadsworth was one, I think was, I think this is back during his time, um, was on the trip, and several other people, and they were on their way back, and you know how when you get on the tollway, and you get, you go to get back on the freeway, there's always kind of that little confusion, like, okay, which one... Well, anyway, I was kind of in the middle of the night, so they weren't paying a lot of attention. And so they get on, they get back on the tollway, and and I think it was Tom said he keeps Captain Tom Wadsworth was one of our staff here for many years. He's a dear friend who's uh, now travels a lot to Tanzania and various other places to do ministry, actually to raise up pastors. Um, and he's he's still really connected with us here. But he um, he said he kind of woke up and he looked. And he, and he saw, you know, signs for New York, and then he woke up again a little while later, and they were getting closer. And he's thinking, something's terribly wrong here. We're, we're supposed to be going back to Cleveland, and yet we're getting closer to New York. And they had gotten off on the wrong, they, they had taken the, the wrong exit or entrance. And instead of going east or west, I see I would have done the same thing, they were going east. And it was bringing him to a different destination. Tim Keller, who passed away last week, and um, was one of my kind of spiritual heroes, spiritual fathers, even though he never, didn't know who I was. Um, but I used to listen to him all the time and stuff. He talked about temptation kind of, like, kind of being like that. It's kind of like being on a freeway system where, and, and evidently they have freeways like this in, in Newark and New York, but we also found him in, Chicago, especially before we had GPSs, 
when you were get on the tollway and then you get down by Chicago and if you had to exit for something, you use a bathroom, get gas or whatever, it would exit you onto another freeway. And you're thinking, okay, I don't want to really be on another freeway. I'm going to take this next exit. So you take that exit and pretty soon you're on a third freeway. Did any of you ever do that around New York or around Chicago? You're just, and you end up, and you're like, we're, we're, and, and again, this is pre-GPS days, but you're, and even with GPS sometimes, it's like, where am I? I didn't plan on being over here. I plan, I'm, I'm trying to go here, and I'm way over here. And that's, in some ways, that's what happens when we succumb to temptation. We end up somewhere that we didn't plan on being. And we end up doing something that we never thought we could do. And we end up, in, in a very real sense, derailing huge parts of our lives. And some of those things are, are irretrievable. You know, some of the, I, many, many years ago, um, there used to be a Sam's Club up that way in Willoughby Hills. And one day I, I had gotten, I buy old cars, fix them up, and then drive them. Because I like, I, like, I like really nice cars, but I can't afford them. So I get them when they're really cheap and old, and then I fix them, make them look nice and new and stuff. Anyway, I had, I had this old car, and I, I kind of made the mistake of putting the temporary tag on the outside. You know what happens when you put the tag on the outside of your car? Somebody steals it. Well, somebody stole the tag, and I happened to turn, I happened to call it in, which ended up being a good thing because the guy who took it ended up using it in a, in a, a robbery murder. He killed somebody. And I had to go testify at that, at that trial, and so I'm in testifying, and I'm watching this family, and I'm watching this 17-year-old kid who listened to a voice for one minute or ten minutes or a day or a couple hours, I'm watching this 17-year-old kid watch his whole life be destroyed by one decision. One decision. That decision probably was made throughout a whole bunch of smaller decisions building up to that. But there was one moment where he chose to, to take a gun and to go into some place and to rob it and to kill somebody. And I don't know the story behind it. I just know as I was walking out, I just my heart just broke for this 17-year-old kid whose life is now completely destroyed because of that decision. Now, all of us, I think, have, have succumbed at some point to temptation in our life. Well, I don't know. I, I have a friend who did once. He succumbed to temptation. No, I think, I think we all have. We all are like, well, you know, it's not good. You know, it's just a small, it's, there, there isn't really any small things, is there? There isn't any small things. In fact, the passage we're looking at today has to do with Jesus being tempted. And you know what, what Satan, what the first thing that Satan uses to tempt Jesus with? This is really something, it's huge, it's big, it's powerful. You know what he uses? Bread. Tim Keller puts it really well, and, and forgive me if you're offended by this, but I thought it was really funny. He said, when we think of Satan coming tempting us, we think of booze and breaths, breasts, not bread. Bread? 
How do you tempt somebody with bread? How do you take down a kingdom with bread? But that's exactly what Satan was tempting to do. And so let me read the scripture. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, he's full, and we'll get into this in a minute, but he's full of the Holy Spirit. This doesn't happen to somebody who's way, somebody who's way far away from God, who's way disconnected from God, who's whatever. He's, he's very connected with God. He's filled with the Spirit. He's just been baptized. He's just heard a voice from heaven saying, you, this is my, you, know, you are my beloved son. There's a voice from heaven that comes down when he's baptized. And he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tested by the devil. And the, I, I would use the word tested there because tested and tempted are kind of the same words in Greek. For Satan, it was tempted. For, for God, it was a testing. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of him, he was hungry. And the, de to, the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Tell this stone to become bread. I mean, I mean, you're God's son. You're a king's kid. You deserve the best. Come on, what are you suffering for? What's it going to hurt? Just have a little bread. The devil led him up on a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Now, this is amazing to me that... Um, <laughs> Satan has this, this ability, this power to be able to show Jesus literally not all the past kingdoms of the world, but all the future, all the past kingdoms, all the future kingdoms of the world, and say, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will be yours. Now, I don't know how much of that's truth, but I do know that... that you know, Satan has power. He has some power and authority. And Jesus said, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. And they will lift you up on their hands so that you won't strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered again, It is written, Do not put the Lord. It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So at this point, Satan's using scripture. He's quoting scripture to Jesus. Jesus, he goes, He's saying, Oh, you want to use the it is written stuff? I can do that too. I can use scripture. When the devil had finished, all this tempting, he left him for an opportune time, and Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside, and he was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. So, Father, please bless your words. And, Lord, may we as a church and as individuals fulfill the purpose that you call us to. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a famous book by Oscar Wilde. I don't know if it was a book or a poem. It was um, Lady Something's Fan. I can't think of the name. Camp Cammy's here. She can remember. But anyway, there's a famous quote in there. And, and uh, one of the characters, Mr. Darlington, says, I can resist anything but temptation. And I think that's, 
that's a reality for a lot of us. I don't, I don't have a lot of power to resist temptation. In fact, when, when God was working with me to get sober from alcohol and drugs, every day I would wake up and I could say one prayer, and it was, Lord, help me to stay clean and sober today. Help me to stay clean and sober today. And I, I still pray that prayer. But I, it was my only prayer for years and years and years. And by God's grace, he strung together days and weeks and months. And eventually it did get better. If any of you are out there and you're, you're wrestling with some addiction and you think, you know, I might as well just, because one, one of the things Satan's great at doing is going, you know, you might as well just give in. You're going to give in anyway. Why not do it now? Just do it now. Just eat it, you know. It's in the ice. It's in the freezer. That gallon of ice cream is just sitting there in the freezer. By the way, if you wanna if you wanna work on weight, one of the things I've discovered is don't have a gallon of ice cream sitting in your freezer. Because in the middle of the night, the ice cream will start speaking to you while you're laying in bed. It'll go. Rich Nathan uses this illustration. I thought it was great. The ice cream will go. Eat me. Eat me. Eat me. And I've, I've been astounded at how much I can eat in the middle of the night. Have you ever done that? You get done and you're like, you're like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? And then you feel crappy. And one of the things Satan's great at, he's great at tempting us and then getting us to succumb to temptation and then condemning us for doing what he tempted us to do. Now, we can't just blame him and say the devil made me do it, right? But isn't that what he does? His whole, whole, this whole shtick is on destroying us. He's just evil. He's cruel. He's, in some ways, uh, I think that a lot of the power that powered Adolf Hitler was, was demonic and satanic. I mean, just some of the evil that he did just to destroy, kill for no reason, other than the fact that Satan knows his time's short. So he's like, I'm just going to go and destroy as much as I can before I'm taken down. I'm going to take down with me as many people as I can. So, let's just look at a couple things. One, any of us can get tempted at any time. I mean, if Jesus gets tempted when he's filled with the Spirit, right after he gets baptized, he's just coming up out of the water, he's, he, he's, he's in this wilderness, he's in this this desolate place, and he gets tempted there. And then there's other places we get tempted. One writer writes this. He said, the wilderness setting was dramatic. The inhabited part of Judea perched on the backbone of southern Palestine. Between this inhabited hill country and the Dead Sea stretched a terrible wilderness called Jeshimon, which means the devastation. Thus the backdrop for the temptation was a desolate, monotonous wasteland like the forlorn realism surrealism of a dolly painting in the anti-Eden. In the foreground sat the weary, four days, 40 days hungry Christ. Before him moved the resplendent figure of Satan, radiating power and promise, elegant evil, just like what we see like in often in the Disney movies and stuff. When the, wasn't it the witch that comes and brings the, the apple to Snow White? Is that what, am, I, am I mixing my fantasy, my Disney fantasies? But, you know, there's, it, it portrays itself as beautiful, as wonderful. It's, this will be really good. I remember the first time I, I drank. I, the first time I drank, I was probably 13 or 14. 
Well, it's probably not the first time I drank. The first time I got really loaded. And I remember thinking, this is awesome. This is awesome. I love this. And you know what Satan does? He's great at, at, at getting us to do things. And, and when we first try him, we're like, this is spectacular. But what he does is he, he slowly takes away the pleasure and he increases the pain to the point where we're giving everything. We're willing to give up everything. I was willing to do anything and everything for my addictions to the point of literally driving off and, and ripping off people. I even ripped off a guy once who was a this – this was really stupid. But it was – I ripped off a guy. We were sitting there and we were smoking hash. And he, he had gotten – he was a Navy SEAL, and he had gotten kicked out of the SEALs for psychotic behavior. And, and we we're sitting there smoking – you got whatever, you know, what hash. We're sitting there smoking hash, and he passes out, and he has all this hash sitting there. And I'm thinking, I'm just going to take it, you know? And I took it, and I, I, I robbed him. <laughs> I almost got killed. Dude came back, and he wasn't happy, and he was a Navy SEAL. And, and I didn't even know Kung Fu, and so it wasn't good. But we ended up doing things that, that we, we, we never thought we would do. And he ends up giving us back nothing. After a while, for addicts, if you're an addict, you, you keep needing more and more to get the same place, and pretty soon you can't even get to the same place. Pretty soon you have to use just to feel normal. And pretty soon you can't even feel normal anymore. Pretty soon you just feel numb and you're broke. And you don't have money. And your life is devastated. And everyone I know that has, has listened to that subtle voice ends up at some point at that place going, how did I get here? Thankfully, we have a redemptive father who is always willing to take us back, who is always willing to use even the evil that we, we participated in for good. God's used some of the evil that I did for good. But that doesn't mean that that evil didn't have an effect, not only on my life, but on the life of hundreds, maybe thousands of people. Temptation can happen to anybody. I think sometimes we're kind of shocked. You know, I kind of get shocked sometimes. When um, when bad stuff starts, you know, hard stuff starts happening. Do you ever do you ever think about that? You think my first thought. One of the things I get tempted with is feeling like God hates me, because <laughs> I'll you know like this. I'll have these weeks where like this week, like like one of my cars decides to bug out, and then so I go, you know, I'm going to. I don't remember what I was going to do pick up car parts or something with my motorcycle, and that decides to bug out, and I'm like, really, God. Come on, come on. And then everything seems to be just like, you know, and, and I think some of you have, are, have or have, are going through some of this. Everything you do feels like it's trudging through mud and going upside down and working out badly. And we think, I must have done something. something. What's wrong here? Well, sometimes nothing's wrong. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. He's doing everything right, but he's out in the desert and he's hungry and he's being tempted. God has called me to do something, and then 3,000 reasons get in the way of why I shouldn't do it. You know what I'm talking about? You go and you try and do it. It's like, no, you shouldn't. This could happen, that could happen. Temptation happens anywhere to anyone. 
And it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And, and part of this, we look at that, well, why, why, does God, why does the Spirit of God lead him to a place where all this stuff is going to happen? And I think part of that is because God is, is in process of making us into his image. God, and God uses all these things for our good. God works all things together for what? For good. God works all things together for good for those who are called. He's, he's working towards our good. And some of these things that he has us face, that he has us deal with, become things that later on will become beneficial and helpful to us. So, first point, that. Second point, temptation doesn't always come, like I said, in, the, you know, in what we would think. It comes in unique places, and some of the, the three things that Jesus is tempted with, which is really you know, interesting here, is, um, first of all, it's bread. You're hungry. Why don't you eat? Why would that be wrong? He's had it been on a 40-day fast, six weeks without food. And, and Satan's response is, you know what, you deserve this. Look at all you've been going through. Look at all you've been suffering. And I'm not sure when he was saying, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. I don't know if he was saying that to say, are you really God's Son, making you question? Some of us really wrestle with that question. Are you really God's child? If you have believed and received Jesus, you know what? You are God's child. God has made you his daughter and his son he's brought you into his kingdom the other thing you could be doing is saying you're God's child you deserve this you know what you're not getting paid enough you should you should just take some of that you deserve that the first way he tempts us is that is is taking a shortcut Taking a shortcut. It, it leads into the second, the second temptation, which is, if you're the son of God, you let him to a high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world, and he said, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. In other words, do this the way that is easier. There's an easier path for this. We used to have a saying in in recovery, in, in AA, I can't remember what it was, but it was, it was something about we didn't choose the easier, simpler way because we knew it wouldn't work. The easier, simpler path, the quicker path. Somebody asked one of my seminary professors once, how, you know, how, how do you help people get through pain really quick and grieving really quick? And he said, well, you get like whatever, 20, 10 or $20, you go to a liquor store and you buy them like a pint or a quart of whiskey and tell them to drink it all. And everybody in class is going, what? That's terrible. And he goes, I know. That's because there isn't a quick way to get through pain and grief and suffering. Satan was calling Jesus to saying, you don't, you don't want to do that cross thing. Why don't you just become king of this world? You can become king of this world. It reminds me of the, the story in the Lord of the Rings, that whole, have you ever thought about how many temptation things there are in Lord of the Rings? It starts out with this guy named Smeagol who becomes Gollum. 
He finds this ring, and the first thing he does is he gets so enthralled with it, he ends up killing his cousin. And he, and he justifies it. He says, it, it's mine. It was my birthday. I found it. I deserve this. It's not his. It's mine. And then that goes on through the whole story. There's a guy named Boromir who later around says, you know what, if we just use this thing, this ring has all kinds of power. If we just use this, we can defeat all the enemy's armies. And the same thing happens with one of the elves, with, with this elf named Gladriel. <laughs> the guy who's carrying the ring, his name is Frodo. And he actually offers it to her. And here's what she says. And by the way, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? How much J.R.R. Tolkien put temptation into this whole story. There's amazing amounts of temptation in this story. If you read some of that, that Oscar Wilde I was telling you about, I wish I could remember the name of the book. You have to tell me the name of that book, Cammie. Lady Something's Fan, I can't remember. Witherington or something like that. But any, is that right? Something like that. Okay. But anyway, it, it, that's got some cool pictures, too, of, of just saying no, no, no. You know, I, there are some of you out there that have just said no to some stuff in life. Some of you, some, I, know, I know some of you that are single that have said no to opportunities to compromise your singleness and say, well, no, you know what, I just want to be with somebody, and I'm willing to just compromise some of my stuff. And I, you know what? I believe that you're never going to regret the fact that you are going, you know what, God, I'm, if this doesn't come your way, I, I don't want it. I am so, it sounds proud, but so proud of some of you. They've just said, you know what, if this doesn't come your way, I don't want it. I'm not willing to compromise who I am and what I've been called to for a piece of bread. So Frodo offers Gladriel the ring. He said, you are wise and fearless, fair lady. I will give you the one ring if you ask for it. It is too great a matter for me. Gladriel laughed with a sudden clear laugh. Wise the lady get Gladriel may be, yet here she has met her match in courtesy. Gentle are you revenged for my testing of your heart at our first meeting. You begin to see with a keen eye. I do not deny that my heart is greatly desired to ask for what you offer. For many long years I had pondered what I might do should the great ring come into my hands. And behold, it was brought within my grasp. The evil that was devised long ago works in many ways, whether on Sauron himself and whether he stands or falls. Would not, would not that have been a noble deed to set the credit of his ring if it had been taken by force or fear from my guest. And now it comes to me. You will give me the ring freely. In the place of the dark lord, you'll set up a queen, and I shall not be dark but beautiful and terrible as the morning and the night, fair as the sea and the sun and the snow upon the mountains, dreadful as the storm and lightning, stronger than the foundations of the earth, and all shall love me in despair. Jesus chose a path of service. This would be a good lesson for a lot of our politicians who are willing to sell their soul 
to achieve an end. The end doesn't justify the means. Jesus did end up King of King and Lord of Lords, but he did it not not through power and coercion and and he did it through through not not him forcing us to bend our knees but through through him bending his knee and bending his life and bending his will to the will of the father and going to the cross and dying for our sins so that we might willingly bend our knee before him amen Jesus' way was a way of sacrifice and service. And even when you're in a position like I'm in, there's a tendency to use that to our own benefit. And one of the things I've always tried to do is to go, okay, this position that God has given me is the responsibility to benefit you and to benefit this world and to benefit this this community. You know, we're it's not just us that has a calling on our lives. It's our whole church. We have a calling on our lives to be a church that shows the world what a, a race, racially united community can look like, who shows the world what a, what a, a, a nonpartisan community can look like, what a non-backbiting, gossiping, nasty community can look like. We have a calling on us, and every time we surrender to our baser nature, we give in, and we're taking that bread. We're taking the exit ramp. And so the second temptation isn't like the first, but it is. It's just the easier, quicker way. You know, it's always, I, I remember many, many, many years ago, my wife finally talked to me. This is back when, the, and the, it's, she's a birthday, I shouldn't tell Teresa stories but anyway um she she t- finally talked me into going to the, one of these one of these things where you know it was a timeshare thing that those used to be really big and she goes honey all we have to do it's only like four hours away and we only have to sit there for four hours and then they'll give us a night overnight somewhere and I'm like oh Teresa she says they're gonna give us like a I don't know what binoculars and a sound system and da 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 I'm like Teresa's I re- okay, all right, I'll go. So, so we go. And it was just, it was kind of a disaster. We actually did get a night somewhere. I can't remember. Where. But the the sound system was funny. It was like this really cheap setup. It was almost like the you know the old string thing when you used to put a can on a string. You, none of you did this, but can on a string and you talk to somebody else. You know, and hope they could hear it. You know, and that was the sound system. I can't remember what the other stuff was, but it was it was almost humorous. I was like, oh my gosh. Talk about bait and switch. Satan's great at bait and switch. This is what, you know, this picture, this picture in in Luke, it it harkens back to to Adam and Eve, doesn't it? Jesus is the second Adam. He's He's the true human. Who succeeds where where Adam failed. He succeeds where Israel failed. Israel had a calling on themselves to represent God's people. And like somebody said, they lasted about as long as we do, about five minutes. Jesus is the only one who's ever done this. And he didn't do it because he had superpowers, because he was God's son. He did it the same way we have to. And he was willing 
to take to keep his eyes on the Father, to keep his eyes on, you know what, God, this may seem really good, but God has something better for me. This might seem, this, this temptation, this affair, this relationship with this other person that I'm not married to might seem really good. Or as I think Sam in Lord of the Rings again said, somehow when they were talking about um, this king who had come along to help him and he looked kind of foul and, and, and it was either Frodo or Sam who said, you know what, I think when the enemy comes, he'll seem a lot more fair but be a lot more foul. And that's how it comes. Seems, seems good. I had a friend once, didn't live too far from here. He moved down to Florida after a while, but he um, he got himself involved in an affair. And I was picking up the pieces afterwards, and we were having communion. And I said, I said, what happened? And he said, it just seems so wonderful. And he said, and it was for about ten minutes. And I lost my wife, and I lost my, my, my daughter, and I lost my life. And he says, Ben, I don't know how to get it back. And I brought out the bread, and I brought out the cup, and I said, here's how we get it back. Here's how we get it back. With the bread and the cup. <laughs> the devil came to Adam and Eve and said to them, You surely won't die. God knows if you eat from this, you'll know you'll know good from evil. And you'll you're you're missing something. Adam and Eve, you know, it's kind of interesting a contrast between Satan and Adam and Eve. Isn't it? Or between Jesus and Adam and Eve. Jesus is in the wilderness in the desert. Adam and Eve are in paradise. We can be tempted anywhere. We can have everything perfect in our lives and still be tempted. Or we can be out in the middle of the desert and still be tempted. Tim Keller says, you know, sometimes people decide, I'm going to move out in the country where I'm away from all this evil. Guess where Jesus was tempted? Out in the country, <laughs> so to speak. We can't move away from ourselves, and we can't move away from Satan. We used to have a saying in, in, in a certain 12-step group that started with the beginning of the letters of the alphabet. And it was... Um, it was... Uh, you know, wherever you go, there you are. I was working with one person once, and the person had been married like four, I can't, four or five times or something. So I was working with this person, not in a condemning way, because Jesus didn't. And I just said, so what are the common denominators in, 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 all this, in all these relationships? And she said, well, they're all jerks. They were all jerks. All of them were jerks. I said, okay, so that's a common denominator. Any other common denominators? And she said, no. I go, well, there, there is one other common denominator in all these relationships. She's like, what? And I said, you. And she's like, no, it was them. Wherever you go, there you are. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit. Now, this is this great, Satan does really good arguments with Scripture. Do you know that he knows Scripture better than you do? He does. He knows scripture better than you do. Don't get in arguments with him. 
Jesus doesn't argue with me. He just quotes scripture back to him. When you've got to do battle with the enemy, you just, first of all, what I do is I say, help, help, help. Because I'm like powerless in this thing. Martin Luther, the, the great reformer, was great. He, used to, he said his battles would get so strong sometimes that he would literally throw, they used to have these things called inkwells, he would throw his inkwell at Satan because he would just be bothering him so much. Again, the more that we're called to do, the higher, we always think, well, if I get into a really deep spiritual place, I won't be tempted as much. It's like, no, you get tempted more because you have more, more possibility of destruction. But Martin Luther said he used to throw an inkwell at him. But also, he was talking to somebody once, and he said, you know, they asked him, how do you, how do you fend off all these, these attacks? And he said, he said, now when Satan comes knocking at my door, when he used to come knocking at my door, I answered it. And he says, now when he comes knocking at my door, Jesus, is, Jesus answers it. And he says, I'm sorry. Martin doesn't live in here anymore. I do. You want to dance? I'll dance. That's what Jesus says. Let him fight your battles. I'll be your huckleberry. That's what Jesus says. We'll quote from Tombstone. All right. God has good for our lives. When he tells us not to do something, it's not because he's trying to keep something from us. He wasn't trying to keep anything from Adam and Eve. When Satan came and, and tempted them, he said, you know what, you, sh- you will surely not, you know, and, and, and Eve tries to argue back with him, and when, as soon as that happens, Satan starts winning because we're starting to entertain whatever it is. And you know what, I, I, I just stand before you here right now and, I, and, and just say, I just say, the only reason that I'm standing here before you today without having some major failure in my life is the grace of God. But for the grace of God, there go I. And I stand upon the solid rock of Jesus. And it has nothing to do with me, and it has everything to do with him. He is the one who has kept me safe. He is the one who has kept me clean. He's the one who's helped me. He's the one who's protected me. And any good thing that has come, has come in and through him. Do you get it? Amen? He's it. He's it. And so the devil leaves after he had tempted him in every way, it says, that he could tempt him. He, he, he left looking for an opportune time. It doesn't mean he left forever. He came back, didn't he? He came back again and again and again. He came back in, P- in the form of Peter when Jesus was talking about going on the cross. And Peter goes, no, Lord, that will never happen to you. Where has he heard that before? From Satan. Hmm. As we're driving through this life, I want to really challenge all of us. If you're struggling, find somebody to share with and pray with, talk to you. We always have sponsors in recovery. Why? Because we knew we can't do this alone. I need a sponsor. I still need sponsors in my life. I need people who hold me accountable. 
we need to press into to our God. We need to remember that God always has good for us and wants good for us. James says, humble yourselves, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, right? One writer writes this, Adam and Eve knew the words that God spoke, the words that commanded them to not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But when the devil in the form of a serpent turned those words back on them, they did not think about God and all God had already proven to them about his care and provision for them. Instead, they thought about having more. And so even in paradise, temptation comes and we give in. So, Father, would you come? This morning, your your grace is so abundant. Would you come and pour your forgiveness over anybody today who feels that shame and condemnation that Satan brings to us? Come and feel. There's there's some of you that have had some real injustices done to you, and you feel like, well, maybe I'm maybe I deserved it. Maybe I, there's there's, a, there's at least one or two people here who I feel like who the Lord would say, you know what? That wasn't you. That wasn't your fault. That was just the enemy just messing with you. And God wants to just bring healing to your soul for some of the evil that's been done to you. And there's some of us that have, have just succumbed to stuff. And God wants to come and just bring his bread and his cup and his mercy to you. And there's some of us that um, are walking alone. Jesus was walking alone when this happened and but he wasn't. He was walking with his father. And in Matthew it says, And angels came and attended him. Father, would you come? Help us as a church. Help us as individuals. Take Not take the exit ramps. Not take those, those paths that look good but aren't. Help us to take that narrow path. That, that looks constricting but leads to life. Help us not to follow the path that looks wide and leads to destruction. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, blessings. Come and join us for our... Um, this isn't a temptation, but I'm not tempting you, by the way. But we do have food. We have food at our picnic. If you didn't bring any food, that's okay. Just come and join us. If anybody wants prayer for anything I was talking about today, come on up. And coming up doesn't mean that you're confessing you did something terrible. So, okay, it just means that you need prayer. So if you need prayer, come on up. God bless.